0: This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio.
1: Here comes Earnhardt out of turn number three, pulls into space 119, and it is filled. There is nowhere to go for Kelly Earnhardt Miller. She honks the chrome horn, shoves him off into the bushes. Kelly Earnhardt Miller first through the door again here at Junior Motorsports. That
0: was excellent. (laughs) Welcome to Fast Lane Family with Kelly Earnhardt Miller. Welcome to Fast Lane Family presented by Charlie Soap. Charlie Soap has a solution for every tough cleaning job you need to tackle. If you want to know more about their products, go to charliesoap.com. And if you like what you see, you can purchase directly from their website or use the store locator to find a retailer near you. Today, my studio guest is Dave Moody. I don't even know how to... You got a lot of jobs, Moody. A lot of hats. (laughs) Yeah.
1: A lot of hats. So I don't have
0: one sentence to say, hey, what Dave does. But you know Dave as a Sirius Speedway broadcaster from four to... Three to three, seven. Three, to, three seven. to seven. I usually come on around four o'clock hour when I used to come on, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Angie Skinner, and then calling the races for MRN. How are you today? I'm
1: great. I'm great. Yeah. This is fun. I, yeah. I love your setup here. Yeah, it's now pretty that comfortable in it. you're all isn't in the it? media business, yeah, right? Huh? I'm not.
0: Listen, I'm not trying to take your job. So we could use a although little competition, I do a little enjoy push. coming over there and visiting you on the we enjoy it set too. at times when I when I when Angie takes vacation.
1: We need you in there more often. (laughs) We haven't done that in a while. We We haven't done that
0: in a while. They have actually asked me, and the last couple times our schedules haven't matched You're a busy woman, we know. We're going to keep asking. I'm going to test your memory and go back to the early 90s when you got your start uh, with MRN. During Speed Weeks was your first broadcast. How did that come about, and kind of what were you doing before that to, to get in that position?
1: You know, it was, it was actually the 80s. They're, they're, the, what it says on the MRN website is actually, I think somebody hit. <laughs> Not hit, right? Hit, yeah, they hit a nine instead of an eight. Because I actually auditioned for Motor Racing Network my sophomore year in college. Wow.
0: And,
1: and I guess to, to kind of set that up, I had worked as the public address announcer at a little racetrack up in Vermont, where I'm originally from, that was owned by Ken Squire. Ken, of course, one of the founders of MRN and, and, you know, was instrumental in getting, you know, CBS to broadcast NASCAR races. And when he, when he got busy working for CBS, he needed somebody to be on the public address microphone at his racetracks when he was on the road. And I still don't know today how he chose me. Um, at at that point, you know, I'd worked on race cars. I drove really badly for a very brief (laughs) period of time. And, and I was writing, I I think what happened was I was writing a column for one of the regional trade papers at that point. And I think he read what I wrote and realized that I had a reasonably workable vocabulary and, and some enthusiasm for the sport, either that, or he just looked around and I was standing there with my finger in my nose. And he said, there's a kid with a lot of extra time on his hands. I don't know one reason or another. He picked me to kind of become his apprentice and work with him. On the public address system, and ultimately, I ended up being the PA announcer there for 30 years until I moved down here to the Carolinas. and And ultimately, um, you know, Ken got me an audition with Motor Racing Network. Um, went down and and worked a little bit for them, but it was different back then because there was no truck series. Um, there weren't a lot of standalone races. So that the guy, the guys that worked on the A team at MRN worked pretty much all of the races.
0: They were the A team all right, the time. Right, right. And there
1: were <laughs> there were two of uh, two or three of us, you know, younger part time guys. That when somebody needed a week a week off or you know had to have a root canal or something, they'd call us in to do one or two races a year. So I did that for a long, long time, um, and then I didn't do that for seven or eight years. And then came back to the network, and I've been pretty much full-time now for the better part of 15, 18 years, whatever yeah. it is.
0: Yeah. So you talked about Ken Squire and, and Ken being your mentor, but you also worked alongside the legendary Barney Hall. Yeah. Barney just hanging up his hat uh, this this year. I can't imagine working with someone just amazing and interesting and, and all as Barney. Um, is there a piece of advice that he gave you along the way that you've
1: Oh golly, or, there are or some good stories. I mean, well, there there are some fantastic <laughs> stories that have gotten told over dinner. Most of those will never see the light of day <laughs> because they were really that good. Uh, but yeah, with with Barney, the most valuable thing Barney ever taught me is you can't put a price tag on your reputation and your integrity. And you know Barney is a really quiet guy, and at first he's a little difficult to get to know because. He's, he is so quiet. And and when I first started working, you know, really full-time with the network and re- was around him a lot, I wasn't sure if he was just looking at me at this, you know, who's this new kid. And and finally, he started, you know, talking to me a little more. And we had some amazing conversations. And, and he talked to me a lot about how you're going to hear things in that garage. And if if you choose to use them and talk about them on the air or write about them somewhere, you can but you're going to you're going to alienate people and you're going to lose their trust and you're probably going to screw up somebody's deal i mean barney over the years was the broker for more driver and team marriages than anybody i think will ever know because you know but because a team owner would come to them because they respected him and trusted him so much and they'd say you know our driver's not coming back next year you know we'd really like to you know who do you who do you think is going to be who do you hear is going to be available and he'd kind of walk across the garage after this conversation or walk up to a driver and say you know if you're looking for something next year i hear you're looking for something next year and if you are you really ought to talk to so-and-so and You know, he could have he could have blown that out on the air and said, you know, uh, such and such a driver won't be back with such and such a team, and he's and they're talking to so and so about replacing him, and and he could have you know could have had a major scoop, I mean a huge scoop, but nobody would ever have talked to him again because they wouldn't have trusted him, and and he preached that to me over and over and over again that you can only sell your integrity once, you know, and I and I see that now with the way the modern media is. And everybody wants the scoop now, everybody wants everybody to wants be first. first exactly and they don 't re- and you and I have talked about this before
0: well, I see this in your own i mean with the, with the onset of social media, we get to know so much more about people 's opinions and what mm. they believe, and I see that out of your social media and the comments that you make when when big stories are breaking, when people don 't have the facts mm. and, and the comments that you make, and in your writing, on your own blog and your own stories you know they're they're factual i mean you give your opinion mm-hmm. you know but well oh, i got a million opinions yeah but yeah. an opinion is different than whether you're reporting something factual or not factual that's right you know? and
1: you know and it's it's always it's always a bit of a wrestling match because sure you'd like to have the scoop i mean you'd like to know you know you, you'd like to tell people what's happening first but with social media the way it is today mm-hmm. if i scoop a story and i talk about something that i shouldn't really talk about yet and i put somebody's deal in jeopardy just because I want to be first. I'm first for about 11 seconds. Right. (laughs) And then 5,000 people retweeted on Twitter and other media outlets pick it up and they run with it. So uh, what I've basically done is I've been a hero for 11 seconds and I've taken a huge chance on ruining somebody else's deal and I've, I've kind of checked my integrity at the door because I've said my my 11-second scoop is more important than your race team and your livelihood. So Barney taught me a long time ago that, that you can't put a price tag on your integrity. You either have it or you don't. People either trust you or you don't, and you only get one chance to screw that up.
0: I mean, you're absolutely right in that way, and you're you'd rather be a hero for the 50 years that you have put into this sport yeah. and later in and, and all about that dash in between you know yeah. your birth and your death and and all that middle stuff there that you want to be the hero for right. and, and yeah. not just an 11 second hero that i'd you... <laughs> rather be right than first That's right. and it takes you said that there, many there's times. a
1: temptation there i mean you'd rather be both you'd like yeah. to I mean, well I'm you'd a, like to be both. i'd like to be yeah. both but given the choice between right and being first i'd rather be remembered you know 50 years from now for being, being right. right.
0: Exactly. I totally support you there. So this is Fastlane Family and usually I, I try to try to get some Earnhardt scoop in there somewhere. So good story with my dad. I know you had to. Uh. <laughs>
1: this is this is really weird, and and I don't know if this happened because I knew I was going to come here and, and chat with you today. I had you know one of those nights you have every once in a while where you have sixty weird dreams over the course of the night, and you feel like you haven't slept and you woke up. Well, one of the sixty weird dreams I had last night had your dad in it. I've never had a dream that included your dad <laughs> ever until last Subconscious. night. Subconscious. It, it was one of those weird deals. I always have and this probably has to do with insecurity. A lot of the dreams I have have to do with being someplace to do a job and being not prepared to do it. Either, you know, showing up not knowing you were supposed to do something or not having your notes ready or something. And it it was Joe Moore, who's one of the anchormen at MRN, and myself, and we were running around at some short track, and we were supposed to be announcing the race, and we couldn't find the announcer's booth. (laughs) We didn't know where it was, and nobody else seemed to know where it was either. And we climbed up this long stairway, you know, up through this tower, and we came out, and there were a bunch of tables and two or three people sitting at the table, and we're walking along, and, and we looked down... And your dad is sitting at this table reading a book.
0: This is your dream.
1: This is my dream, yeah. <laughs> your dad is sitting at this table reading a book. And Joe walks by and he says, hey, Dale, how you doing? He goes, hey, Joe. I walk by I say, hey, Dale, how you doing? He says, hey, Dave. And as I walk by, he punched me which was not all that unlike your dad. He I mean, usually dad, would get
0: you in the headlock. Yeah, yeah. In, in
1: a headlock, or he'd, he'd come and he'd, <laughs> he'd, he'd yeah. grab yeah. You know, right behind your yeah. arm, that triceps area, yeah. and just squeeze the living daylights out of you and bring yeah. you to your knees. You know, he, was, he was famous for, if you're in the middle of an interview, just uh, uh, especially a TV interview, just sliding his foot over and putting his foot on top of yours and stepping down harder and harder and harder and waiting to yeah. see how you would react and whether you could carry the interview on. So that was that was really strange, but always, yeah, your dad was famous for that.
0: Always testing you to see how much you could take. How
1: much you could take, yes. and if you <laughs>
0: see if you if, could break.
1: <laughs> if you if, if you you know for lack of a better term if you manned up and just suffered in silence and got your job done without saying God damn what are you doing yeah. stop that he I think he walked away saying okay this guy's okay yeah
0: he did I was going to say yeah. you earned his respect from that standpoint yeah, yeah we need a dream analyzer um, because when I haven't dreamed about my dad in quite some time but when I do. I, I dream of him in kind of a, I guess you caught maybe a past tense, like in my dream, it's real and, and whatever is going on is going on, but I cannot let the other people in my dream know that I know my dad is alive in my dream. Wow. So it's really strange. That's way yeah. deeper than mine. It's really strange. Um, I don't know. Maybe it has to do with something that kind of like the whole Elvis myth, myth of, like, is he really alive somewhere, you know, yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. Elvis is working right. at a Bojangles chicken <laughs> right. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know. But, yeah, we need a dream analyzer. So let's um, get back to uh, MRN. Uh, you're, you currently call the races from a term position. Mm-hmm. And I've been learning a lot through talking with Wendy Vittorini on the show, Larry McReynolds, and even being on serious with you of the background that's needed to make this all go around the research and how you make it happen. How does that work when you're when you're broadcasting the race and you're intern whatever, and your other announcers in turn you know and you carry that through
1: that's the that's the most likely question for us to get from listeners. And it's people think that that everybody's talking at the same time and there's some kind of audio engineering wizard back in the truck that turns one guy on and another guy off and makes it all fit together. It's not nearly that complicated. It's like, you know, I'm usually out in turn one and two, and I know that when the cars take the green flag, that the guys in the booth, Joe and Jeff, are going to talk about whatever they're talking about until it gets approximately to the entrance of turn one. And then I'm supposed to pick it up. (laughs) And I can either talk about what they were talking about, or I can change the focus to something that I think might be more important. And I'm supposed to carry it until roughly the exit of turn two, where Mike Bagley, or whoever next in line is, and he carries it to a certain point, then the next person carries it to a certain point, and then we start all over again. And Knowing roughly where the guy in front of you is going to stop and you're expected to start if you listen to what they're saying and you can tell you know okay they're at the end of their sentence they're probably not going to keep going now and it also helps that we've all worked together for a lot of years now but generally if we do it right sounds seamless
0: when you're preparing for a race do you how do you prepare for understanding the strategies that are going to be involved in that particular event and what you can bring to the broadcast from that perspective instead of just real time what's going on
1: got to spend a lot of time in the garage talking to people if i'm in a turn my main focus is making sure I've got all the names and the numbers and the sponsors and the color schemes down. because well, That's challenging uh, week
0: to week. It can be. It can be.
1: <laughs> it can be. The, worst, the worst one ever is the All-Star Race or around the 4th of July at Daytona because everybody's car is red, white, and blue. Right. And if you have a 22-car wad up in turn one – and everybody's car is red, white, and blue, it's absolutely—it's a nightmare. But you have to have the color schemes and all that in your head because when they do start crashing, depending on where you're standing and where they're wrecking, you might not see much but smoke. And and maybe a nose here and a fender flying through the air there. And you have to know basically by the color of that nose or the color of the fender who you're talking about. So a lot of time in the garage, look, just running through the color schemes and making sure that the minute you see that car, you know who's in it. And then, you know, as far as the strategies and things like that, you do a lot of talking to crew chiefs and drivers, as much time as they'll give you.
0: Do you feel that you were a natural in the beginning of your career at at oh, no. calling, or you oh, learned no. this over time? Well, some people are, you know, just natural yeah. right away. But I mean, I, for me, when I'm on your show on Sirius, mm-hmm. if I'm on there co-hosting for a four hour period, I mean, I just cannot think on the spot that quick sometimes, you know. And you're you're always right there to right. <laughs> keep everything going. I think <laughs> I, I
1: think I mean on obviously I, I guess I have the gift of gab. I I, I don't think there's any question <laughs> about that. And and I I always had. I guess, to some degree, the ability to see something and describe it quickly. I still probably, to this day, have called more basketball games than I have auto races. I mean, it, working in small market radio back in Vermont, we used to do somewhere between 100 and 130 basketball games in a winter. Wow. And granted, winter's 11 months up there, but still, <laughs> you know, that's a lot of basketball. But, you know, I, I guess I had a, a certain ability to to kind of take what you see and Converted into words instantly, but there are so many techniques to the job that guys like Ken Squire and Barney Hall just taught me so much over the years about how to do it right
0: so how often do you get handed off something that you're totally not anticipating, and you kind of have to you know react it happens.
1: It probably happens less now just because I've been doing it for so long. And, you know, doing the, the live event, play-by-play stuff, you, you know that anything can happen at any time. And sometimes weird stuff does happen still. <laughs> you know, doing, doing talk radio, sports talk radio, you never know what someone's going to ask you. You really have to do your prep work every single day. You can't get lazy. I mean, I've been in November, I'll be doing Sirius XM Speedway 11 years. And at a certain point, you know, you're in it every day, so you kind of know every day what's going on. But if you don't do your prep work, sure as shooting, somebody's going to call you on Tuesday at 4.15 and ask you a question, and you're going to have no clue, because you just never know what's going to come out of those telephone lines next.
0: Yeah. When I um, have done the show a few times, especially when I was your weekly guest Mm -hmm. there for a while, and uh, I would be on hold, and you guys would be finishing up, you know, to, to get me, and you guys, a lot of times, were talking about something that I had no clue was going on in the news from that day, yeah. and a lot of times, y'all, you guys would say, you know, well, Kelly, what's your thoughts on, you know, X, Y, Z, and I'm like, I have to be honest, I haven't been on social media, I haven't read the news, I have no clue what yeah, and, you're talking but, about. And you
1: were honest, you'd say, uh, until, uh, until you went to commercial, I heard you guys talking, I didn't even know that had happened yeah. yet. Now, if
0: it was my job, I would be a little well, more course, prepared, right? Sure. I have a hard time. I'm looking at social media maybe once a day if I'm lucky.
1: People think doing that show is four hours a day, and it is. It, the, the the red light is on four hours a day, but there's a lot more, lot more prep time than the actual on-air time.
0: Yeah, well, I've I know I've texted you a few times. You know, in the mornings, you're you're usually headed over there. You know, by lunchtime, that's why we're doing. Oh, yeah. while we're recording earlier in the day and the prep and and all that you want to do is uh, more extensive than just the the timing of I'm the I'm one show. of those
1: annoying people that's early all the time. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, if we're if we're like going, early, if we're going to lunch at noon, I'm there at 20 till noon. I just, and it drives people. It drives my poor wife crazy because she's 20 minutes the other way. If it were up to her, she'd be 20 minutes late for everything. I'm 20 minutes early for everything. So it's usually you know, me you know, sitting, on the, sitting on the sink in the bathroom, tapping my toe, saying, you know, we really should have left by now. And she's like, we don't have to be there for an hour and a half, and it takes 20 minutes to get there.
0: Well, maybe if you're 20 minutes early and she's 20 minutes late, you arrive there on time sometimes, just it, it, right on time. It,
1: it, we tend to cancel <laughs> each other out. More times than yeah.
0: uh, not. So what's your favorite track to uh, call a race from?
1: Do you well, I, have a favorite? You know, I have a lot of favorites. See, that's the thing. I, I tend to go to the extremes. I like the short tracks like Martinsville and and Richmond because that's kind of the racing I grew up on. You know, the the quarter mile and third mile beat and bang bull rings. I love that stuff and I always will love that stuff. But I also like the big tracks, too. I like Daytona and Talladega because it's just so different. And there's, you know, there's so much adrenaline. You know, I'm still, after all these years, I'm still a race fan at heart. And, you know, climbing up that ladder and standing on that tower as they give the command, you know, gentlemen, start your engines, or drivers now, start your engines (laughs) for the Daytona 500. Boy, if you can't get cranked up about that, you're in the wrong business. So I love it. I think
0: that's really key to still be a fan of the sport and it's easy to get burned out Mm -hmm. but to have that enthusiasm each and every week is key to to doing the best job that you can through through calling the races and what you do so we, we're we talking about calling races, and you're just so amazing at that. I just think you're amazing uh, at what you do, period. And Like I said, when I've been on with you at Sirius, I'm just like in awe sometimes about how you carry things and and your voice dynamics and all those things that you just get just right, you know, when you're reading the news or whether you're reading an advertisement or whatever it is. You know exactly which words to hit on and, and how to make it off-flow. Well, that's because and I screwed good. it up
1: a hundred different <laughs> times in the past, and I finally figured it they out. They took me
0: off the news when I was subbing for Angie, so... <laughs> Didn't I didn't quite have the voice reflect reflection that I needed to have on certain pieces. I thought you did fine. Well, you learn. You gotta you gotta do it to learn, right? me. They figure they're
1: paying me; they might as well get all they can. Oh
0: yeah, exactly. So I got three scenarios. I want you to call in your race mode. You oh, ready Lord. for this?
1: Okay. Whose idea was this? This was Mike Davis's I thought idea. So. Can you yeah, imagine? I thought so. Our JRM three
0: hundred and sixty Creative mm-hmm. Dirty Mo Radio Creative Manager and many other things. So I'm arriving to work and someone is parked in my parking space.
1: Wow okay (laughs) is that a hard one kelly earnhardt arriving for work and someone is in her parking space all right here comes earnhardt out of turn number three pulls into space 119 and it is filled there is nowhere to go for kelly earnhardt miller she honks the chrome horn shoves him off into the bushes kelly earnhardt miller first through the door again here at junior motorsports that
0: was excellent (laughs) see you're good at this
1: but the problem is that's going to encourage mike Oh, yeah, and you and you know with him he was the guy he was the guy that came up with the bright idea that I had to do the the play by play call of Dale Jr. and Brad Keslowski racing to the Port John a couple of years ago during a during a, a red flag break, so he just lives for stuff like that Hey, this. well, if
0: you can call a race to Port John, you can do a lot got of got it stuff. all covered okay, deciding where we're going to lunch is between Olive Garden, Sonic, and Steak and Shake. Where does
1: he come up with this <laughs> stuff? What is wrong with that man? I mean, he's got way too much time. Are, are you actually
0: paying him to come up with this stuff? You know what? I walk through the halls daily and and, and ask myself this that question. This is his job, <laughs> coming up he's with... He's in Amanda's office all the time, and they're in there talking about the next 360, and then he's got IT, and they're down in there, and it's like, really? We're paying you to do yeah, this? exactly.
1: All right, so the, the three... <laughs> okay, we're,
0: we're deciding where to go to lunch. Olive Garden, you know, Italian, yeah. like breadsticks, all the breadsticks yeah. and salads you can eat. Sonic, drive through. Sometimes they relish skate out. Sometimes they don't. Good shakes, though. And they steak and shake. Even better steak I love the shakes steak and, shake. and good yeah. french fries. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be a tough one.
1: All right. <laughs> All right. It's, uh, It's three wide heading to the finish as the battle for the lunch 500 is underway. Sonic up the middle looking like Brad Keselowski puts the elbow to steak and shake. And I can't even remember the name. Olive Garden. Olive Garden. Olive Garden is in the wall. Olive Garden has been spun out. Breadsticks all over. Turn number two, and it's Sonic to the lead by half a weenie.
0: <laughs> that was good, considering we didn't give you a lot of time to prepare. Uh, you can none. forget the Olive Garden. None. <laughs> okay. That's kind of like having to know, you know, sponsors, colors, and numbers. That's you right. want to do one more, or you think two is enough? Well, go ahead. All right, this, you you can you you're, you're gonna, like this, Go you're gonna like this one. You're gonna like this one because I think you know LW pretty well. I do. Kelly went to the vending machine to get her favorite bag of chips, only to find LW beat her there and got the last bag. <laughs> Keep it nice, now. Okay. We're married. Okay.
1: All right. Well, I I know how this one's gonna work out. It's just a question of how it'll get there. Okay. All right. L.W. Miller on the white flag lap, one chip remaining in the bag, but up from behind, here comes the wife, and she has reached out and put the grab on his bag of chips. That's one final lap that he's not going to get. The final chip belongs to the
0: boss. (laughs) That's awesome. Sorry, L.W. Good stuff, yeah. We might have to dedicate a Jaron 360 to you. Oh, Lord. Man, that's talent right there. Do you that off the cuff?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We can do anything.
0: I I get amazed when you're when when you guys are calling the races just with the the terms and the slogans mm-hmm. and all the things that you have in your bag. <laughs>
1: People think we go out there with like things written down. Yeah, you don't. I
0: do. I, that's what I thought. You don't.
1: If if you go out there with a catchy line or something like that, Mike Bagley had a great one. Ricky Stenhouse was running like an inch off the wall at Chicagoland, and he had he had one of those three wide deals, and the line he used was. And its Stenhouse to the penthouse, meaning all the way to the top of the (laughs) race. Right, right. It was a tremendous line. But there's no way in the world that you could write that down on Tuesday and say, I'm going to try and use that this week. Right. If you go out there with pre manufactured lines, you're going to sound like a knucklehead trying to work them in. Either it comes to you.
0: Very confused. That's
1: it. It it either comes to you in the spur of the moment or it doesn't.
0: So, do you have any interest in, in television at all?
1: I mean, I wouldn't tell you no. Uh, I mean, it, it's a it would be a different challenge for sure. It's a whole different media though, because in television, they don't have to necessarily talk about what's happening right now because you have the picture. If you know people are three wide racing for the lead, they can actually be talking about something else, but you still know what's going on. In radio. If we don't tell you what's happening, you have no other way of knowing. If we don't tell you, you know, that Dale Jr. just went to third place, we don't have a picture for you to see it. We don't have that creeper across the, the top of the screen to see it. And also, you know, I really love the radio side of it because it's what I've always done. It's my it's really my first love. And to tell you the truth, we've got some security that, that those poor TV guys and gals don't seem to have because, man, every three years... I've got a lot of friends in that business, you know, a lot of them, uh, you know, Adam Alexander and Mike Massaro and a bunch of them worked for MRN before going to TV. And I see what they go through every three years. You know, will, will our network re-up? Will our network not re-up? If it doesn't re-up, can I catch on with somebody else? You know, I'm, I'm good friends with Marty Snyder, and Marty spent four or five years out of NASCAR. Not because he didn't care to be here anymore, but because his network didn't have the NASCAR contract. And, and he still stayed plenty busy doing college basketball and professional sports, but he didn't get to do what he liked best.
0: Yeah, so if your love is NASCAR yep. and you're not getting to do it. With
1: MRN, yeah. I don't worry, unless you've heard something I haven't, I don't worry about my contract <laughs> being renewed next year, and I'm pretty sure that I'll be back, you know, on those billboards calling those races.
0: All right, let's switch gears to Sirius Speedway. You do this five days a week, four hours a day talking to all the folks riding up and down the road in their cars. We talked about opinions and facts. This gives you tons of time to talk about your opinions on the sport and, and what's going on. What do you think about NASCAR and, and the state of the sport that we're in, and what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: It's a tough time right now, and, and I think the people that are steering the ship are, are doing a pretty good job based on the circumstances. And you know the bottom line on this is NASCAR is not mandatory. It's discretionary. For fans to go to the racetrack, they have to do the math. And they have to say, do we have the discretionary income? Uh, Is the mortgage paid? Is the light bill paid? Do the kids have shoes for school? Do we have everything we need? And then enough left over to go to the NASCAR race or go to the football game or even just to go to the movies. And there's a lot less of that money around than they're used to, it seems. You know, the economy's been bad for a long time, and they keep promising us it's coming back, but we haven't quite seen it yet. So it's very difficult, and there's a lot of competition out there, and there are more empty seats than there've ever been, and the racetracks and the sanctioning body have all had to react to that, and I, I think they're doing a lot of things now to try and reach out to the younger fans. That, in all, all honesty, I think we lost. Yes. I, I think we kind of, we kind of forgot a generation of fans, because you know you've got you've got young kids. My daughters are 23 and 26, but it, but it's all kind of the same with those generations because they are joined at the hip to their telephones at every moment. If they're not tweeting three friends and downloading something, and, you know, if, if they are at the NASCAR race, they want to be able to have two more screens to experience other parts of the race that they're not seeing right in front of them. And, you know, in years past, and still to some degree now, you go to that racetrack and you're isolated because, you know, there there are 80,000 people there all trying to get, you know, uh, get their tweets sent out, and it doesn't work very well. Um, it's loud and you can't talk to the people next to you. And and we have to find a way to allow people that are used to being 100% in touch with the world at all times to be 100% in touch with the world at our events. Because if they can't be, if they're going to be isolated, they're not going to go.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. What do you think of the new Chase format? I love
1: it. Well, yeah, it's early and, you know, and I caution people all the time that it's not ever a good idea to draw your final opinion until you've seen it actually happen. But I love it. I think... I think the win-and-you're-in philo- uh, philosophy through the regular season changed the way people approach these races. When, when Brad Keselowski got out of his car at Daytona after the 500, after finishing, I don't know, second or third, and, and somebody stuck a microphone in front of him and said, well, you didn't win, but you had a good points day. And his response was, no, I didn't. There's no such thing as a good points day anymore. Either you win or you lose. And, man, I pumped my fist and I said, that's right. That's exactly the attitude we've been trying to get back into this sport Mm -hmm. where there's winning and there's everything else, and everything else isn't much good to you. And we've seen that all year, and I think, obviously, as we get on further into this chase.
0: So what do you think about going down into the the Homestead event with the four individuals who have have made it through, you know, the champion being – Based off of one race and, and what goes on there
1: I like it I'm i 'm scared of it <laughs> i was yeah, I was just going to say that a lot of people are really scared of it, and it's understandable because we fear what we don 't know right we, we, everybody has a fear of the unknown and, and we've never we've never done it this way before, but we've seen it done this way before because they play a Super Bowl every year where the winner is the champion.
0: Exactly, and, and I keep referring back to that in the sports like that, exactly. Right. I, I mean, exactly. I'm a New
1: England boy. Yep. My Patriots went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, undefeated, Yep, playing a team that had lost three or four games and who they had just beaten two weeks before, two or three weeks before that. They lost the game, and the New York Giants were the champions, and they weren't. Even though they'd lost one game all year and the Giants had lost three or four, and nobody argued it. Nobody got mad about it. Nobody said, well, the Patriots are really the champions because they have a better record overall. Uh, A lot of people are going to, you know, some people are going to say that no matter who ends up winning this thing. But the bottom line for me is how many times in the last five or six years have we gone to Homestead saying, well, Jimmy Johnson needs to finish 18th in order to clinch the championship. There's no drama there. Jimmy Johnson can finish 18th with an eye patch wearing oven mitts and with only third gear in his car. I mean, uh, that's no challenge for a guy like Jimmy Johnson. They, They can do it, and they've done it over and over again. Now, when we go to Homestead, those four guys, the only way they can be guaranteed to be in the champion is to win the race, and that's what it's all about, or that's what it should be all about.
0: I think I read a statistic, and and maybe you know this because of your preparation and all for for what you do, but I I read a statistic, I believe, that said over the last seven years, four of those years, a driver would have won the championship. Now, the math that they go to figure this out Mm -hmm. is beyond me. Right. (laughs) But four of those drivers would have won the championship without winning a race, in the twenty-six race season, I don't completely buy into that. I don't though. know. And, and then two and of the drivers, why. they said, "Let's see. Wait a minute. I got my facts wrong. Two of the drivers would, I mean, four of the drivers would have not won a race in the chase. Mm-hmm. So the ten races, right? That that is pro- could be likely." Mm-hmm. Two of the drivers would have won the championship and not won a race in the season. Right. I think is right. what it was, yeah.
1: And 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 those numbers work and they somebody somebody with a whole lot of time on their hand has gone through and run through all of that and figured it out. The problem with that with that logic is we just talked about it. These guys are racing differently under this system
0: Correct, than right. they did under right.
1: last year's system. And Jimmy Johnson's numbers at homestead are not spectacular. And a lot of people are saying, boy, if they go to Homestead, you know, Jimmy might be in trouble because his numbers there aren't very good. His numbers there have never had to be very good. Right. He's never had to win the race.
0: Yeah, when you only have to finish 18th or better. That's right. He had
1: to finish 18th last year. Right. He got got into a nice, comfortable ninth, and then he just put it on autopilot and made sure he didn't get sucked up into somebody's mess. He could have finished a lot better than ninth. He had a much better car than that. But he didn't need to. So so to say, yeah, well, this guy would have won the championship instead of that guy. Well, maybe he would or maybe he wouldn't because they're racing completely different this year. They tailor their racing and they tailor their strategy to the format. And now the format says go to the front.
0: Well, that's where your perspective and your wisdom play into that perspective.
1: Because right well, it, it I ha- would have never
0: thought of that. <laughs> it, well, it, it, but, but you're right. Is, you're totally
1: right. But you don't have to think yeah, about it. I know. Because but- <laughs> you're not getting asked about it That's 77 exactly. times a day for the last say, eight months. Your
0: experience and wisdom. It's
1: not like I'm any smarter than the next guy. It's just we spend so much time analyzing this stuff and looking at this stuff from every possible angle. And if there's an angle that I haven't looked at it yet somebody's going to call me from Hoboken yes. later today and say, have you ever considered this? And I'm going to have to admit that it's a it's a darn interesting angle that I hadn't considered.
0: So what's the most uh, talked about, interesting topic to date on Sirius?
1: Well, uh, of the season, sadly, I think at, at this point, sadly it would be the Tony Stewart situation. That's what I was thinking. Which, which was just, it was and is, so heartbreaking for everybody. Yes. You know, and... Unfortunately, what people tend to do in situations like that, and it's the same whether it's just a simple crash at a racetrack where a couple of guys get together and wreck their cars or something as horrible as what what happened up there in New York State, people tend to want to to define somebody as the bad guy and and the good guy. guy. Right or wrong, good or bad. That's right. Somebody caused that wreck 100%. And somebody was the victim 100%. Right. It's, it's rarely, if ever, like that. Um, you know, and, and the Tony Stewart situation was just so horrible because if you supported Tony Stewart, if you know Tony and you know the kind of guy he is, and and you said, I feel horrible for what he's going through right now, a lot of people took that as, I have no compassion for Kevin Ward's family. Exactly. and. And we worked very hard on our airwaves, on our program, to say, listen, we can love them all. We can mourn Kevin Ward. Our hearts can go out to the Ward family. We can also stand behind Tony Stewart and support him because we know the kind of person he is. It's not an either-or. Right. There, there's no bad guy, good guy in this thing. It was just two guys that had a horrible, horrible thing happen that neither one of them ever wanted to happen.
0: What's a topic that comes up that people just won't let go? <laughs> like, is there something that you the, talk the about chase. every day? The oh, chase? it's the chase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and
1: <laughs> and that's been the case. That's been the case since they first changed it, and you know, and they've had three or four different versions of it now. And I pray to God they just leave this one alone. Yes. I mean, pr- please, Brian France, Mike Helton, if you'll just just leave it alone for four or five years, good, bad, or indifferent, just leave it alone and let it settle for a while. But you know, and I go back to what we were talking about before. People feel fear what they don't know. And going from a system that counted points for, for all those races to a system that's very different scared the heck out of a lot of people. Yeah. And the traditionalists didn't like it. Some of them still don't like it. Some of them will never like it. Some of them have, have come around and really love it. But, yeah, we talk about the chase and, and what if this happens and what if that happens and what if the other happens. And what if you know what if we get a champion that didn't win a race It's never happened in the history of the sport. I mean, we got nearly 60 years under our belts. We've never had a Cup Series champion that didn't win a race. And the systems in the past have really rewarded consistency over winning. Mm -hmm. This system rewards winning over consistency. So I think it's less likely than ever that we'll have a winless champion. But it could happen. And if it does, people will freak out. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's still one thing about the chase that I haven't wrapped my um, mind around. And so I'm still learning it myself. Maybe through your research you've done this. When the four drivers are knocked out of the first round, mm-hmm. you have 12 drivers left. Those 12 drivers get reset in points. Yes. But if I understand it correctly, the four drivers that are knocked out still have a chance to finish better in the chase than yes. the 12 that are left. Yes. How does that happen? Because we're, we're reworking those points. That's in... the
1: number one question that people okay, have. Good. So you're not alone good. in this. Good, good. <laughs> at, at the end of Richmond, they elevated the 16 drivers up to 2,000 points and they'll run their three races. At the end of those three races, four guys will be out, and they'll stay right where they are in terms of points. The guys that advance, the 12 that advance, will be elevated again to 3,000 points. And if they make the next round, they'll be advanced to 4,000 points. And, and here's the critical part. When you're eliminated, the 3,000-point advance and the 4,000-point advance, Come back off your total, okay, and you fall back to that two thousand point level okay. where you were to start the chase. So okay, when but we the get
0: points th- you accumulated during those races get added to your two thousand yeah. if you and get knocked out. What That's we'll what have, I figured. Right. Okay. What,
1: what we'll have going to Homestead is four guys competing for first, second, third, and
0: fourth that have four thousand or five thousand right. points. Right. And
1: twelve guys that are competing for fifth. Through through got ya. You, got you. you can you can be the first man eliminated. You know, Eric Almirola had a hor you know had a, just yeah. a horrible stroke of luck. If he finishes this, cha- if he is eliminated, he'll still have an opportunity to have a great next. To tw- finish you know, his house fifth, next nine races yeah. or, or eight races and yeah. finish fifth.
0: Right, a lot of math and subtraction. We're going to need some audited numbers. I'm not
1: good at math. <laughs> I just go to NASCAR.com and I look at the numbers and accept them because if I yeah. I'm not even allowed to balance my own checkbook. It's going to be like the
0: mind. Miss America pageant, and someone's going to need to walk out on stage at the war- at the at the banquet in Vegas, <laughs> I was about to say the ward off, My goodness! Oh, boy, and and say, okay, these results have been tabulated by yeah, Moody the, and Moody. The accounting form
1: of <laughs> Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Dancing with the Stars. You, did you watch that? I didn't. <laughs> you didn't. I, I, I have to I, say I, that I did. <laughs> I, I,
1: I'll just cop a plea here. I've never. I, I've watched. You've never watched. I've watched a minute, maybe maybe a minute and a half of Dancing with the Stars a few years ago when elio Castroneves mm-hmm. was on there and he was going for the championship Mirrorball. or whatever yep. it, okay the miracle, <laughs> I, I succumbed to peer pressure turned it on for about a minute and said this is the goofiest thing i've ever seen in my life and i went back to whatever else i was watching <laughs> i i i could not imagine I love michael waltrip wish him well think he'll be wonderful you know he'll be he'll be wonderful he'll lend a you know a facet of comic relief to it i can't imagine those size size 14s you know tiptoeing across the dance yes. floor but I probably, I probably won't there. to won't be there to see it.
0: Yeah, he he is so tall and and big guy, and he had to like stoop down to like get to the level of his partner, you know, dancing. So mm. it was comical. You're right about that part. See how he does. It was interesting. Mm. So how did you get the nickname the Godfather of Motorsports? That's a
1: weird story, and, and I'll warn you in advance that it doesn't make sense at the end. All right. When we started out, I was the only motorsports entity on Sirius Satellite Radio. We were on the, the stick and ball sports channel. Mm-hmm. And, and on you know weekdays at 3 o'clock, they'd stop talking about baseball and football, and we'd come on and do our three hours on NASCAR. And we were just a tiny little island. of, uh, And it wasn't even just NASCAR then. We did all the motorsports. We did IndyCar and drag racing and the whole nine yards. And then when we got done, we would lead into World Soccer Daily. And, and it was, you know, two very prim and proper British blokes. said, Welcome to Wild Soccer Daily! And, you know, we didn't hand off one single listener from our show to theirs. So, bottom line is, we were kind of there all by ourselves for, for quite a number of years until the NASCAR channel came to Sirius. And John Kernan, who's worked in the industry for many, many years, at that point was uh our midday host, when they expanded and created the entire NASCAR channel where we're going to have, you know, 14 or 18 or whatever it is, hours a day. He was the midday host. And somebody asked about, called his show and asked who had, you know, which show had been there first. And he said, well, you know, Moody was here first. He was the guy, he was the guy that cut down all the trees and dynamited the stumps and picked the rocks and plowed the field and planted the corn. We all just kind of showed up for Thanksgiving dinner. And then, for some reason, he took that analogy. He took the Thanksgiving dinner analogy and said he's the godfather of serious NASCAR radio. That's right. (laughs) And you know, and and you know, I've warned you of this. I I told you be careful what you say because once you say it's out there, and people will never forget it. Yes, they never forgot that. And (laughs) and literally within, uh, we went on air that day. You know, like two hours after he said that. And it was like, "Hey, Godfather," and it's—I and I had no idea what people were talking about. It's like, "What do you mean? Why?" Are you? So they told, him, "Well, here's what Kernan said." That's so funny. So you, you can't fight it. I mean, it's—it so, is what it is.
0: You did a great British impression. Do you do any other impressions? Well Soccer. No, that's all I got. <laughs> okay. World Soccer
1: Daily is all I got for
0: you. Okay. Well, let's switch gears to family. Uh, we've talked about your impressive um professional career two daughters in their 20s mm-hmm. i'm raising two myself i could definitely probably use some words of wisdom how did you juggle travel and working and not well growing them up
1: not well <laughs> um my my ex-wife my my daughter's mom we were divorced when she's my girls were seven and four and she did a marvelous job of raising those girls still does They're fantastic kids, fantastic young ladies. Ninety-nine point five percent of the credit goes to their mom. (laughs) Well, it's just—it's the truth because I was—I was gone. I I was on the road, and this—this is a tough job. And you know, they don't—they don't care. This sport doesn't care whose birthday it is. It doesn't care if there's a family reunion. It, It doesn't care if they got a soccer game. It, That's right. You're on the plane when you're on the plane, and you come back when you come back. And if if you're taking your daughters to dinner on Monday night, and the race rains out, and you're racing on Monday, sorry girls, we're not going to dinner. Yeah. One of my daughters thinks racing is kind of cool. My <laughs> oldest one, she you know she tried it herself a little bit. Uh, my other, my youngest daughter, I don't think would get out of the electric chair to go to a NASCAR race. And I think I think part of that is because you know racing is. The reason why Dad wasn't around, yeah. um, and it's wonderful now because my my youngest, the one that doesn't really care about racing, uh, is living with my my wife and I here in the in the Charlotte area, up in Salisbury, going to UNCC uh, to get her master's degree, and it's awesome because. Since the time they were tiny, tiny little girls, they've never really lived full time with their dad. Uh-huh. So, so we're having we're having a lot of fun with that. Cool, right now.
0: that's cool. Yeah. I can totally sympathize and understand with your girls from that standpoint because, you know, as, as the time that you were being introduced in the '80s and, yeah. and '90s to your career and and traveling every weekend, you know, we were growing up underneath the the realm of Del Earnhardt and, and traveling, and we lived with. You know, we lived with my dad, but we had nannies and relatives that were with us through the weekend and, you know, never sent us off to a prom. Uh, he made my graduation, not Dale's graduation. No games, you know, never seen us play a sport. Right. Um, I think that's different for the drivers these days. They they may still not get to see their kids play sports, right. but their kids get to travel along with them, which, you know, is is different than the day uh, right. When we could go, and, right? And... It's hard.
1: I mean, I, do you know anybody? In the, I mean, there are so few people in this sport that aren't divorced. Yeah. I mean this yeah. this is this sport is at, this job, whatever you want to call it, this it's world, tough. this life is is a relationship killer. And I am I am very fortunate that that my wife, she's as career oriented as I am. She works as hard as I do. She understands what I do. She doesn't always like what I do, but she gets it. Yeah. And and she understands that. Come a certain du- time at a certain day, I'm gonna have to get on the airplane, and I'm gonna be gonna be gone for three or four days, yeah. and that's just how it has to work.
0: Well, that's and that's a lot different in in today than if you had young kids and all. Absolutely. You know? yeah. I, I, when you said that about the, being divorced in the sport, I thought about like Arlene and Mark Martin, who I think Arlene was previously married, and they have stepchildren, Mm -hmm. but, you know, she met Mark in a period where she knew what she was coming into type of thing versus where, you know, maybe between you and your wife, you were still making Mm -hmm. your way and Mm -hmm. and figuring out what your career would be, and it took you in a path that then, you know, (laughs) all things weren't the same. (laughs) Relationships are tough, period. Yeah, it it really is. (laughs) Add this schedule to it and and this environment to it, period,
1: is, is hectic. You know, and sometimes your first response is, you know, don't buy a horse and then complain that you don't get free milk. I mean you, you kinda knew what I did right, when we got right, married. Right. But you know, it, it it's a it's an empty argument because yeah. nobody nobody signs up to be in a relationship with somebody that's absent fifty right. percent of the time. <laughs> exactly. I don't know how these crew chiefs do it. Yeah. You know, the drivers have enough responsibility on them. But these crew chiefs are, are 18 to 20-hour-a-day guys 11 months out of the year. Yep. I don't understand how a single one of them has anybody in their life. It's yeah. just so hard.
0: It is hard. Oh, well, you talked about your daughter moving in with you. I was I was going to go there, too. That's totally awesome that you're getting those, that time and those memories these days. So we're – Gosh, we've talked a little bit about everything.
1: We've run the gauntlet. Yeah,
0: we've run the gauntlet. See, that was relatively
1: yeah. painless. I thought. huh?
0: Yeah, I thought it was. I'm glad you thought it was. I did. Yeah, give
1: it. it, it it's kind of cool now. See, you you come and you come and help out on my turf, a lot, and I get to you know, come here and chat well, with you I on your turf. It's appreciate been
0: fun. it. It has been fun. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned at the top of the show, if you have any cleaning projects that you need to take care of, our sponsor, Charlie Soap, has got the solution for you. Amanda, I think this weekend you had a little boo-boo with some red wine. What happened there? Yeah, and, of course, I had on a white shirt, too. I, uh. I even—I missed my mouth. And it was like the first sip, too, so I can't you know, claim it was because I was halfway through the bottle or anything. <laughs> but uh, it dribbled all the way down the shirt, so I immediately took it off, went downstairs, sprayed that laundry pre-spray on it. And let it sit, I think I'd let it sit overnight and put it in the wash the next day and it actually came out and I was shocked because red wine is like one of the worst stains to try to get out of anything, especially white. So I was impressed. (laughs) <laughs> it's still working well for me too um, Wyatt is still uh, potty training and, and not doing so well on the solids end of it if you know what I mean Uh-oh. and yeah. um, so <laughs> the products are working good for us <laughs> you can purchase all the Charlie Soap products at their website at charliesoap.com or you can also use the store locator and find a local retailer near you <laughs> it's time for Ask Kelly remember that you can submit your questions on Twitter using the hashtag Ask Kelly at my handle Kelly, and you can also submit these uh, via my Facebook page Kelly K Earnhardt all Right, our first question is from Lauren Smith on Facebook. What is the latest home project that you and LW are working on? Oh my, she's keeping up with this too intently here. The latest home project involves a new mattress. (laughs) LW is about ready to kill me. We have been through four mattresses in about the last year and it's it's sort of embarrassing, but we started with this really expensive mattress, a Tempur-Pedic so when oh, you say the yeah. word tempur yeah. everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. And then we went down to this, uh, I didn't like the Tempur-Pedic, and we went down to uh, uh, just kind of an intercoil spring mattress. A few months later with that, I still wasn't liking the mattress, and so for my birthday, LW bought me a mattress as part of my birthday, so he was going to mm-hmm. surprise me. And this mattress was actually one that Dale and Amy liked so much that they bought three of them. So I was going off of their recommendation. We got the mattress, slept on it for about 10 days. I didn't like it either. So this past weekend, <laughs> we actually got our latest mattress, with so far I'm loving. Although LW's woke up the past two days, and he's like, I don't know if it's the mattress, but I hurt like crazy. Oh, so no. we're kind of having the the seven-year itch-ish on our house, like things are breaking, the microwave and the washer and dryer, and the dishwasher broke a while back. And so it just, you know, these homeowners know when you have a house, you're never done with home projects oh yeah never at jr88 freak how hectic is your schedule once summer ends and the new school year starts you know, it gets pretty hectic, but I'm kind of a uh, I'm kind of on the fence of which one I like best. I certainly like the summer because, you know, I don't have to wake up at the crack of dawn to get the kids going and get myself ready and all that. But I do like the routine that the school year brings so that, you know, our bedtime can be routine in the evening and baths and dinner and all those things. And, and then the day as well um, is pretty routine. But uh, it gets pretty hectic. We're, we're fortunate to, to have uh, a nanny that helps us and, and stays home with Wyatt during the day so that... Um, L.W. and I both work full-time, and, uh, you know, picking up the kids from school, we go to a unique school program where our kids are in school three days and home two days. So that makes it a a little less hectic Mm -hmm. as well. But if I had to probably go one way or the other, I'm probably more over the the summer. I I like the summertime better. (laughs) We get to go on trips. (laughs) Okay, it's time for final thoughts with Dave. Sweet
1: or salty? Salty. I'm not a cakes and pie guy for the most part. Beach or mountains? beach mainly because my wife
0: actually when we were talking about family i was going to ask you about what do you and kelly like to do yeah i already like her and i don't even know her but she's got my same name so oh right well it's a club yeah Yeah. no
1: she (laughs) loves and we you know we had an off weekend here a few weeks ago and we just we got away for three or four days and went and just planted in the sand and didn't move and it was awesome she is a sun worshiper uh i'm not so much of a sun worshiper uh, but I'll do it for her, and we actually had a wonderful time. So yeah, I'll take Excellent. the
0: beach. She uh, she puts up with you being gone so much. So the least you can do is sit on the beach a the, weekend. The or main two. putting
1: up with <laughs> me is when I'm home, not when I'm gone.
0: <laughs> All right, dogs or cats?
1: Dogs. Oh Lord. How many you have? Oh, we have dogs. Well, when my wife and I first got together, she had four. We've subsequently lost two, but somehow acquired another, <laughs> and I don't know how it happened. I absolutely. I got can probably blindsided. tell you how, how it happened. I know. Okay, I know how it happened. I have a you wife. You don't like
0: how it happened. I have a wife
1: and I have a daughter, and they saw this tiny little dog, tiny little brown dog with eyes as big as its head, and said, "Oh my God, he's so cute!" And we now have three dogs.
0: We know how that goes. Yeah. Dirt track or asphalt racing.
1: Wow. I, you know, I I like them both, but I grew up asphalt racing, and I guess ultimately I prefer asphalt racing. Um, Short tracks, you know, around the country. Dirt's doing a heck of a lot better than asphalt right now. If I were to ever own a race team again, which I won't. <laughs> yeah, we did.
0: I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> no, no, no. It was fine. I know, I it, it, it was fun
1: while it lasted. <laughs> if I ever owned a race team again, it'd be a dirt team, though, because, boy, it's so much more economical. It makes so much more sense.
0: Yeah. Sports car or truck? Sports car. Football or hockey?
1: You know what? I'm I'm from Vermont. Hockey. It's hockey, yeah. I, a good a good hockey game in person, man. It's it's awesome. It's the greatest game in the world. Love but,
0: it. I, I think hockey is somewhat like you know NASCAR. I think they say if you go to a game, you really get energized and into it. You got to kind of be there. I, I don't watch. You much can't enjoy at all. hockey yeah. on television yeah. because the puck is so small. You can't see it half the time. <laughs> see where time. it's going.
1: It, yeah, it. You don't get the speed. You don't get. It's hockey's a great game.
0: All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. Certainly appreciate it. Uh, that's this week's episode of Fastlane Family presented by Charlie Soap, and we'll chat with you next week. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. I appreciate everyone tuning in to Fastlane Family presented by Charlie's Soap today. Now go visit charliesoap.com and check out their unbelievable line of cleaning products. Tackle some of your toughest cleaning projects and help support this wonderful sponsor of Dirty My Radio. Again, that's charliesoap.com.